and they have another one that looks very much like a James Bogues, but it's not James Bogues. It's, <laughs> it's like... It's know. James Bogues. But yeah. <laughs> Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and they're proud sponsors of this. And this is Brews News Week, our regular wrap-up of all that has made news in beer this week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me to take a reasonably good hard look at the news, the views, and some of the issues are the founder and editor of Australian Brews News, Matt Kierkegaard and Ace reporter and senior journalist Claire Burnett. G'day, guys. Morning, Pete. Hey, Pete. How are we? Uh, We're good. A bit soggy yeah. up here, actually. A bit damp. Yeah, it's a bit a bit damp down here as well, but mm. um, but reasonably warm. It's it's a very typical Melbourne uh, early spring. <laughs> no earthquakes. Week. No tradies. No, no. Um, all good. <laughs> no. Nah, yeah. Not this well, week, I've got anyway. I've got nothing. I've got another installer coming in uh, 61 minutes, so uh, we're going to keep this reasonably tight. Because <laughs> on top of everything else, uh, the oven in the Pilsner household shit itself. Um, no. But then we looked at it and we, we thought we um, we use it pretty much like five, six times a week with heaps of home cooking and baking and all the rest of the stuff. So it, it, perhaps not surprising, but it's one of those things where it's a very simple fix. Uh, it's a very cheap part, um, the element. It's a $20 or $25 um, part, but it's about two hundred and eighty bucks to to get it um, get installed, installed <laughs> or replaced. <laughs> and we figured, yeah, for that, that's you know, that's a quarter of a new oven. Um, you know, how about <laughs> let's up, update the oven and um, spend a bit of money that um, we've that? saved on all those holidays that we chose not oh. to have. And uh, I should just, for Matt and Claire's benefit, but also for that uh, those of the listeners, um, at some point you may hear a bit of noise. Uh, in the background, of course, down here in Melbourne, where we're celebrating being the most lockdown place in the whole wide world ever. Um, so we might have some party poppers, and you know, there'll be well, there'll be there'll be street parades. And Frank might have an argument with you there, but we'll park that for now. <laughs> I think it's a bit early to discuss Frank. Frank, if I'm brutally honest, yeah, pretty pretty sure. <laughs> other than the young girl in question, and look, yeah, she was, uh, she's. Fairly isolated. Yeah, she was a she was a, she kept to herself. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Uh, this is she was the only one who, who was not permitted to leave the room. Yeah, everyone else was you know goose stepping up and down the uh, oh, the boulevard. Baby. It wasn't locked down at all. Uh, anyway, anyway uh, let's cross live now to the Australian Brews News Media Centre for a wrap up of stories making news in beer this week. And Claire, we begin with what was that? <laughs> We do indeed. So you may remember uh, bewildered, that last bewildered in bewildered, mark. bewildered. Um, yeah, disappointment and bewilderment. What my parents often think of me. Um, Restaurant and Catering <laughs> Association. Um, Restaurant and Catering Association. So um, a peak industry body representing hospitality businesses. That's restaurants, cafes, etc. Um, have responded to the changes we were discussing last week, Pete, um, in regards to uh, the Queensland Bill that is basically trying to say, you know, it's okay for these um, businesses to sell takeaway uh, wine, but not beer. Obviously, uh, we got some. <laughs> like quite hilarious responses from that one. Um, but hopefully things are moving on uh, in that respect. So we've had response from the Minister of Beer saying, look, if you 
got an issue with this make a submission and things like that but I mean this was a a, a bit of a Matt story I really just wrote it last week um Matt very much did the legwork on this one um so Matt what's the verdict you know I, I can't let you have all of the attention when I'm away class so uh I just basically had to rewrite your story just with different <laughs> actors um <laughs> no but it, that's no, well, the thing we didn't get their response last week because um we were just under the cush really so it was interesting to yeah. see the responses um from a different angle as as well, obviously, the RCA rather than the IBA or whatever. But the IBA were mentioned in there, weren't they? And, and, and it is one of those stories that, you know, like as an in beer industry journal, we cover things from the brewer's perspective. But this is clearly an issue that, you know, bleeds across, um, you know, multiple jurisdictions. And one of the things that came out for me when I was looking at the story, the Restaurant and Catering Association, you know, their, their language, to, to use a word like bewildered, which is why we put it in inverted commas, it's pretty strong language for an association like that. Um, and it, it it really is bewildering when the justification that the government is giving is that beer is somehow more intoxicating than goon. Um, and it, it, it's very interesting. But the, the, the broader issue here is the bodies that are fighting against this change are the Queensland Hotels Association and the uh, you know bars and clubs and retail drinks um, who basically have a monopoly on take-home supplies of alcohol. Um, and I was reading some Australian Productivity Commission research and bars, if you were a member of a club in Queensland up until the late 90s or early 2000s, I think it was, you were limited in how much you could sell. And it was still much, much, much more, like it was like two and a half cartons of beer you could sell to your members. Um, and the, the clubs were arguing about that then, saying, oh, this is ridiculous. There should be no restrictions. Why should there be restrictions um, when it suited them? And now suddenly that they've got unfettered um, access to takeaway sales, they want to now play the, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's irresponsible to allow, um, you know, non-bottle shops or people other people to sell things extensively and if you look at particularly in Queensland this is very a Queensland issue if you look at hotels these days the property pages and the business pages have been awash with stories about how lucrative the hotel industry is even in lockdown because even though in Queensland the bars are shut bottle shops have been going through the roof because people have transferred their spending you know, from restaurants where they used to spend, a, you know, $60 on a bottle of wine, they're now spending that in bottle shops. So hotels have become very, very lucrative um, because you're essentially hedged. Even when your bar's shut, your bottle shops are going through the roof. And then they also have pokies, um, whereas restaurants and uh, cafes, they had to pivot during the pandemic to takeaways and wanted to be able to sell, you know, beer and wine. So if you're in a restaurant, if you're in a cafe, you know, a big part of the profit margin comes from the bottle of wine you buy or the, you know, the, the, the drinks that you have. And with 30% of people's purchases, even in Queensland that it's open now being takeaways, their businesses are suddenly unviable because they don't have that bottle shop, um, you know, the three bottle shops that Queensland hotels are allowed um, or pokies or, you know, the other revenue streams that hotels traditionally have. They just have food service and the wine or the beer that they sell with it. So the Restaurant and Catering Association is very, you know, their members are very affected, but it also does affect uh, craft brewers. So it's a, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one to watch. Yeah. Um, one point of clarification that I will make. So in the bill amendment, 
Um, they lumped all of these people, so Queensland hotels, fair, etc., all into one, and retail drinks as well. So we wrote that's how we wrote it. You know, these are the these are the people that are complaining. I got a uh, call from retail drinks following the article last week saying. Um, can you just clarify that this wasn't us? Like we didn't make that point because apparently they got um, some calls about the article saying, you know, um, why are you saying that we, <laughs> we can't sell beer? Why are you doing that? So they were like, can you please clarify that point? And I was like, yeah, sure. But like, just so you're aware of why we did this. Um, obviously it's because that's what the bill said that you were. In well, will they make their submission public? Did they offer to make their. They did not. I can always ask them, um, yes. which would be interesting. Mm. And they gave us a comment and stuff like that as well so I've put that in as a little update in the article if anyone wants to have a look but just to <laughs> to clarify that point um it, apparently it was a uh, they got some irate calls um after that which is good though that means people are reading it that means pe- it's moving yeah people <laughs> and that's the thing but then again you know we went off the explanatory notes um mm-hmm. I would love to see what they did argue in their submission so, so we know because they, as you say, um, in the explanatory notes, they were lumped in with fair and all yeah. of the, you know, five or six anti-alcohol bodies. Yeah. And when the Queensland government chose the arguments that they argued, they, 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 they were all responsible service of alcohol yeah. provisions. And if you walk into a retail drinks, you know, having come back from North Queensland or, you know, if you travel around a lot of bottle shops in Brisbane, when you go there, you've got your regular beer and wine. But then when you're at the counter, there is the equivalent of the candy aisle, you know, the parents dread when they're at the supermarket, you know, with the, the things that the Pester Power products, the, the, the bottle shop equivalent of those is those little six pack of cream shooters that are like 40% alcohol in the little shot containers that just sort of sit there on, on the counter of retail drinks, um, or, you know, on, on bottle shop, um, presumably members of retail drinks. And she's going, well... There is no argument for those little cream shots other than the no one's drinking those to appreciate the finest elements of the alcohol uh, or the process of going into it. They are purely designed to get you there. It, it, it's a really a double-edged sword when they're opposing things and the government is using the anti-alcohol message. So, yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll be interested to, uh, to, to go back and read those comments um, from them, Claire. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, Claire, Wildlife Brewing uh, are going to expand after raising 200 large. Indeed. So actually, this one was had flown under my radar a little bit. Um, wildlife Brewing in Shepparton in regional Victoria, I believe, Pete. You've been there before? Yep, yep, yep. yep. Cool. A couple hours, yep. Uh, hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's it. Close enough to Melbourne, yeah. Out of Melbourne um, and took them out of their own little lockdown. Yes, exactly, yeah. So it's been obviously hard for anybody uh, growing up in uh, COVID, mm. but... It's an interesting one for these guys. They're Shepparton locals, um, the three founders, Jack Hawkins, James Thompson and Reese Porter. Uh, and they founded Wildlife, um, they said, as an antidote to the faux craft being sold into regional areas, which I thought was a really interesting point. Um, but basically, uh, the news this week was that they've raised $200,000 through a private raise. So that's going out to sort of fans and local investors and things like that and saying, you know, would you want to uh, invest in the brewery? A really interesting contrast to a lot of the equity crowd funds that have been going on um and their reasoning for it was really interesting as well as well very much along the same lines as as we've heard from equity crowdfunding about creating a community and things like that but they've kept it super super hyper local um so it's all local people pretty much that are invested uh so now they're um basically investing in a major new brewery or oh, major for them 
Um, I think using a former Hop Nation kit and um, totally kitting it all out, hopefully getting it done by the uh, end of this year. So just a really nice, Im- quite impressive growth story. They were only founded, as I say, in 2019. So to develop like that, especially during COVID, is, has been pretty impressive. So well done to them. Yeah, and good luck to them because as I, I met them at the Ballarat Beer Festival in one of the seven-minute opportunities that we had uh, out of lockdown <laughs> and uh, just terrific blokes. But um Shepparton's an interesting regional centre because it's it's basically SPC. Everyone's probably heard of the S in SPC stands for Shepparton, and it's um, essentially where all all the farms you know um, created the co-op to can fruit and veg and and whatever, and, and that's been pretty much the mainstay um, of, of the town that and, and, and farming. But it's not sort of it's not on the way to anywhere. It's not a destination as such in, in terms of tourism. So. The guys, you know, it, it's great to see somebody really, uh, I guess, hooking onto the the hyper local um, tag. So good luck to them. Absolutely. And also because we didn't have to talk about you know valuations and crowdfunding and all that other boring possible bull that we seem to get mired <laughs> in every other time somebody else does it. Hey, actually, Claire, did did they say what they valued the business at for that two hundred thousand dollars raise? Do you know they didn't actually? Um, I'll ask them the percentage of the business. <laughs> no, I think they're, they're obviously. You look in your hand, you go, you're on the ground. <laughs> so, no, that's a good point, Matt. I'll, I'll ask them. I'll ask them how much they divested of the business. Um, good point. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, in the way that, in the same way that Shepparton uh, was pretty much made its reputation on cans. See where I'm going on this one? Uh, Claire, our next story, <laughs> one year on, Source Brewing Co. in cans. Thought you were going to go straight for a Rowling then. Oh, disappointed. Speaking of being in Cairns, because I was in Cairns last week and I visited Hemingways, oh, um, yeah. uh, who, who are in Before we get to Source, source uh, Claire, um, yeah, yeah. and uh, the, the guys from Hemingways, huge fans of the, the Rowlings guys. So big shout out. They made a point of telling me, look, look, this is what we're doing with our cans now because we used to get them pre-printed and it was really inflexible and now we can use the uh, Rallings to, to do much smaller <laughs> runs and they're doing these great little partnerships with oh, the um, some of the, 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 the local businesses there all because of Rallings. So, uh, mate, I, I don't know if that counts as our Rallings ad. I think it probably can. Did the guys up at Hemingways know that um, Rallings are able not just to supply labels for their cans or, or their bottles, but they can also supply printed or blank cartons. Do they, they have any can trays? or tap decals, barcodes, uh, shrink sleeves, anything like that? I, I suspect they probably do because the, uh, the the guys from Ellings are very good at, you know, spruiking their own wares even without us and, yeah. uh, you know, well, they so, make, Hemingway's big fans. Yeah, and they just make it so easy and obviously Hemingway's are a great example of that. I'm sure the easiest thing they did was to pick up the phone and call 1300 852 235 and then they discussed further. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, fans in cans. But anyway, <laughs> something else that's in cans is sauce. <laughs> it's indeed. Sauce in cans. Oh, now, we've already can. done SP, sorry. Oh, sorry. I'll see, I'll see what joke. you did there. Um, so, actually, I don't know if you know this, guys, but I've got a massive calendar that I just make a note of when everybody opened and things like that because we've got a feature called One Year On. So we have a little chat to um, a venue or a brewery that's opened up uh, 12 months after their, their opening date. So it's been 12 months since Source opened in Cairns, um, obviously a Marrickville brand initial originally and part of the Mighty Craft portfolio. And this one was actually from our uh, journalist assistant, Vivian, and she did a great job. Um, I think it's a really interesting one. Obviously, Matt, you'll know going up there. I don't know what it was like when you went, but they've had a bloody hard time of it. And, you know, having 
just opened up a venue there. I don't know that Source ever knew that it was going to be this hard. And it was genuine. From the sounds of it, it's been a complete uphill battle. Um, You know, the downfall of tourism in far north Queensland. Um, Because they're a new business, they didn't get any support from government. Um, So they've just been chugging along. So, and, and it's been a tricky one as well. They've got a brewery up there, but they haven't used it yet. Um, they they said there's no point in staffing it and getting any product through that if you know they're not getting the volumes that they need um, to be able to to sort of use that effectively. Um, so they're basically shipping a, a beer up from um, Sydney. And um, it's just, it was actually kind of a hard one to read for me because, you know, Source of a great brand um, and, you know, this is just a little insight into how difficult it is up there for venues and hospitality businesses, basically anyone that relies on tourism. Um, Mike uh, even said in the article, you know, while tourism isn't great, we've still got a local following, but because the tourism isn't there, the local people don't have the disposable income that they would normally have um, to be able to spend here. So they'll come, but they won't spend as much. And, you know, that's just such a struggle. And I, my heart really went out to them. Um, they're still going, they're still going strong, but there was a little bit of a case of, you know, how long is this going to be able to, how long is this going to last effectively? Um, so a little bit of a sad news one, but hopefully um, things will t- sort of turn around for them um and just far north queensland and lots of other places like that as well having seen it you know it's really tough for them because sydney and melbourne are in lockdown and some businesses there are getting support because they're in lockdown cairns may as well be because it's a tourist hub um it's it's industry is tourism and with the lack of inbound international tourists sydney and melbourne um people are where their tourism base comes from. So when they're in lockdown and getting what support they get, Cairns is completely affected, may as well be in lockdown because they, they, they can't. So it's, it's, it's been really, really um, hard to see. And then even when they were open earlier in the year, uh, very hard to get staff. Uh, the, the whole thing is, is, is very, very challenging for them. So, uh, yeah, um, it, it, it's... It was very nice to see, actually, on the Facebook page, some of the Cairns community, um, and they do have, you know, Pete, you and I met some of them uh, oh, last January, you know, January 2020, when we were up uh, for the Hottest 100. Um, some of the, you know, really hardcore beer people there really supporting the Source Bottle Shop um, and, you know, really appreciating what they're doing up there. So fingers crossed that, you know, get vaccinated and uh, get open and ho- hopefully uh, we'll be able to see them uh, take off. Yeah. Uh, Clara, next one. Lion offers full parental leave to workers, presumably not just to get vaccinated. <laughs> no, no, indeed. Um, and this is an interesting one. Um, and I, it's we posted it as a media release. It, you know, it's a one fact story. You know, this is what they've introduced, which is fantastic. I think living in and working in the brewing industry here I've met so many brewers particularly that have just had kids or they've got really young kids and I'm just like how do you do this like how do you work the shifts that you work with like a newborn or a two-year-old or even when they're a little bit older um it's just absolutely mad I know like the McCready's at Mountain Culture they've just had one Dave at Ether. There's so many people that have just had a baby or got really young kids and it's just mad. And I think 
obviously Lion is in a position in which that they can do something like this. It's not quite as easy when you've got a much smaller business. Um, and it's something I think I want to look into a little bit more as well, Matt. <laughs> Sorry to drop, the, drop this on the podcast. Um, but I think it's a really interesting aspect of the brewing industry. You know, people are setting up businesses when they're experienced and they've had a little bit of brewing experience or they've had experience in other industries. But that's also the time when it's like prime time to start having kids, um, if that's what you want. And these are concerns that as we grow as an industry, um, you know, we're going to have to think about. People can't live like that sometimes. You know, you need some time for your family. Um, And this is obviously Lion recognising that. So well done to Lion. That was why when this story came in, in in fact, I'd seen it on LinkedIn. Um, So it wasn't even one that they reached out to us um, and, and sent to us. I saw it in LinkedIn in a HR magazine um, just as part of my news sweep. And I thought it, it's not beer related, but it's industry related because Lion in so many ways are actually leading on HR matters. Um, and on, on the Brewery Pro podcast, we've actually got one of their HR people talking about you know employment and training and career development in the, in the industry um, as we, together with Richard Adamson um, talking about getting a start in the industry. Um, so look out for that in the Brewery Pro podcast coming up in a week or so. Yeah, it, it was just a great story. And I think one of the huge challenges that the you know small brewing industry, for want of a better term, um, these days is going to face is the employment practices. You know, it, it, it's an industry that mines passion. You know, we, we, we love the product. We love the industry. Uh, but the expectation is people work very, very hard and not always financially rewarded and certainly not uh, work-life balance. And when you throw alcohol and beer festivals and all of, the, all of those sorts of things in, I, I think it's going to be a, a real challenge that the industry has to come to terms with. And what that means in terms of, you know, if, if you pay people more, your prices go up or if you, you know, need more brewers to lighten the workload and give work-life balance, your prices go up. Um, for a product that's already quite expensive. And uh, it, it, it's a real dilemma that the industry is going to be having to face um, over the next couple of years. And uh, certainly when you've got, you know, and dare I say conscious businesses like Lion, um, uh, apparently they're a conscious business and they certainly seem to be behaving that way. Doing these sorts of things, they certainly become attractive employers. Um, and, you know, when I uh, after and I don't want to sort of talk too much about the Stunwood sale, but you know I I reached out to um, Danielle and Jane um, to congratulate them for what it meant for them um, and their business uh, on the sale. And one of the points that they made is they're really interested interested to see because Lion is so strong on inclusivity and some of those you know gender issues um, that. Two Birds is going to be such a flag bearer um, for that, and they're going to have the resources. So, yeah, um, I just thought it was a nice little story that touched on a lot of issues that the uh, brewing industry is going to have to face. Absolutely. Another way of facing uh, the issues that the brewing industry has to face is uh, adopting a new code of conduct, which the IBA coincidentally has done, Claire. They have indeed. So this was a month or two ago now when the sexism in the US brewing industry issues came out and, you know, it sort of rippled across here and we, it was very much um, something that we wanted to discuss and grapple with. Um, and we did a podcast with Kylie at the IBA and Sabrina, who's now left um, the Brewers Guild of New Zealand and Tiff Waldron at uh, Pink Boots. And it was a really interesting one and a really difficult one. And I think people are, and this was really nice because it sort of says to me, you know, it wasn't just a flash in the pan thing. 
people are working in the background to try and do something and um, impact the industry. And this is a fantastic move from the IBA, just basically putting that down on paper, um, how they expect their members to behave. And the sort of repercussions of that are that they can be kicked out of the IBA if anything um, negatively impacts the organization as a whole if it they look bad if they've done something really bad if they haven't basically respected employees um people in the industry etc etc um so go and have a look at that it's a really interesting one and it covers so many bases um and I do feel for them it must have been a difficult one to put together um but they got a consultation and input from lots of people uh for this so and that's just the way you need to do these kinds of things so well done to the IBA it wasn't an easy thing it's not an easy thing to do um but it makes a really positive step it says that this is an important issue to us as an industry and it bloody well is um so to have that codified is just fantastic and speaking of positive news claire our last story on positive that we didn't jinx this by saying know, last so week uh, <laughs> Jesus, we, it's been we a while since you've had a recall a while. yeah yeah <laughs> And I said oh. that on the I said that on the Facebook group. It's like tramways, buses. There's, there's nothing for an hour, and then seven turn up at once. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, uh, Melbourne's Bad Shepherd has recalled it. It's peanut butter and jam barrel aged porter. They have indeed. So this was a, another one that was posted on FSANS, the Food Standards uh, New Zealand and Australia, or Australia New Zealand. And um, it was for a batch of their. It was this is a limited edition, but it's been out once or twice before. And it was in uh, independent retails, liquor stores, licensed premises um, in quite a few states, actually. So go and have a check. Check that out. Go and have a look. Um, but absolutely. A sa- same as Tallboy and Moose the other week. Fair play to Bad Shepherd. They did it. It's not. Nobody wants this. Nobody plan nobody well they plan for it but they don't want it to happen um but they plan for it very well um executed it swiftly same as tallboy and moose i think very much um following the recall guidelines doing everything they need to do going out to the public and you know fair play to them it was a tricky one so um i spoke to diddy hales um general manager at bad shepherd and she was like you know obviously recommended to other brewers that they have a recall plan and um really was really complimentary to their team about how smoothly and how swiftly they managed to do this um but i believe the issue was they sort of worked it out they sanitized everything they didn't think it was anything to do with the tanks so they believed that or the um fruit additions uh but the team believed that the issue lay with some of the barrels um so as a result and this was a really positive thing as well they are um doing they brought in lots of measures to make sure that that isn't like the weakest link in the chain in future you know quarantining barrel aged beers um doing external sterility lab testing um all sorts of bits and pieces like that which will just only make their processes better and hopefully protect against this in future and you know that's why they're such a good example to others obviously nobody as i say nobody wants this but if it happens you want to be able to deal with it well and obviously bad shepherd have so well done to them as well yeah, uh, that's the positive to come out of it, Claire, as you touched on there. Uh, you know, not not that it's happening, but at least now uh, we are, as a community or as, a, as an industry, far more aware of it uh, yeah. and far better at, um, at, at um, getting the rubber to hit the road. And when, I don't think we happen. made... 
a bad point in saying, oh, we haven't had one for a while. We haven't had one for a while because people have good practices. Obviously, this can happen to anyone and it has happened to anyone. So I made the point in that article. I had to just to flick through the past couple of months. Um, who else was getting products recalled? And this is not just a craft beer thing in any way, shape or form. Pinnacle Drinks has had a few bottles of wine they've had to take off. Um, there's There's been all sorts yeah. of people that have been affected by this. It doesn't matter how what size you are. You know, it's things like this happen. It's not a small business. It's not a small brewery thing. It's very much industry wide. You know, mistakes happen, and it's just how you deal with them and how you uh, resolve that situation that makes it that counts. Really, I think. Indeed. Well, uh, listeners, that has caught you up on all the news that uh, should interest you. So that's it for the news part. But feel free, if you wish, after I thank Matt and thank Claire for doing a wonderful news segment. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, mm-hmm. Claire, for doing thank a wonderful you. news thank you, segment. Pete. <laughs> hey, and, and thank you guys for uh, doing such a good job last uh, last week in my absence, too, by the way. I think we did all right. So it, it was actually a joy to listen to, um, one that I wasn't part of. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I do note that we did lose podcasting awards uh, when I wasn't there, but, uh, you know. You <laughs> oh, did, no, you, did you, we? You, you, you did your best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you little bugger. <laughs> These things don't matter. No, we're not in it for, you know. Silverware. We, we, we are the weeks that we win. <laughs> yeah. Unless we win. It, it matters until it doesn't. That's right. Uh, but anyway, that was uh, that was this episode of uh, Brews News Week. Hang around now, if you wish, for a little thing we like to call Below the Fold. And we begin Below the Fold with the mailbag. And the mailbag is thanks to our good friends at New Zealand Ale Trail. That's, uh, so go to the www.nzaletrail.com or at NZ Ale Trail on social media to find the best beer experiences in New Zealand. Um, now, don't forget, you can also subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on your favourite podcasting app. Um, as we say, it just it doesn't cost you anything except a little bit of your time, but it does help other beer lovers discover the podcast. Um, all of our uh, commenters, now you can do it through iTunes, you can do it through um, our Facebook group. That's the Radio Brews News Facebook group. If you're not a member already, you can feel free to join. You will be asked a question, and the answer to that question is soapbox. But, yeah, comments, uh, emails, uh, however you want to get in touch with us, uh, and we'll read stuff out like Claire is about to do right now. So we had a nice email from Blair Hughes about uh, the zero alcohol beers and the ethics of them that we did uh, last week. Uh, he says, I absolutely love the article on zero alcohol beers. Thank you very much, Blair. Uh, I have completely cut down <laughs> on my alcohol consumption since April to focus mainly on zero alcohol beers, just to try something new, find healthier, lower carb options like naught, and to keep the, to help the beer bank balance. But one thing that never comes up in these stories, which I'd like to see as a side note or as part of the story, what does the law say about drinking zero alcohol beers in public or in car driving? Uh, Blair's apparently asked police and Queensland government uh, and every time he gets conflicting information. He says, I don't do e- uh, don't do either, but I'm very curious as to what the law says. Uh, just thought it might be something to touch on. Uh, have a good day and thanks for another good article. Um, thanks, Blair. Interesting point. And following Blair's email, I did get in touch with a couple of police services and Queensland responded and said, you can drink not zero alcohol beer in a car. It's not got any alcohol in it. That's fine. They didn't say you you won't get pulled over. If you've got a beer that looks like a beer, if you've got Heineken Zero in your hand in the car, exactly. you, there's a potential you might get pulled over. But as soon as they see it's zero alcohol, apparently that's okay. This is one of the really interesting things about the zero alcohol beer question. 
that it's it's a brand extension of beer when it's actually not you know even though the the, the process is the same the ingredients are the same mm-hmm. it's actually not beer because it doesn't have alcoholic so legally it's a different product in in, in a whole lot of ways um, and that that was where the, the the conversation with the guys from sober they had one of the clearest statements about what zero alcohol was they, they just called it a sophisticated adult beverage so it's even though it's a beer the whole brand proposition that they were putting out or the product use case was it gives adults something to drink that's not a lemon lime and bitters and you know has a lot of the cues of, of a beer but you know i like the way that they called it something different um because the, the only confusion around um drinking a nort or a heineken zero in the car is that it looks like a beer and it's labeled a beer but the law about driving with an open container only relates to alcohol. It's one of those interesting perception things uh, around zero alcohol. Mm. On a similar vein, from Steve Levian, Claire? Yes, indeed. On the Facebook uh, uh, group? Yeah, on a Facebook comment. Um, so Steve says, uh, on the supermarket versus bottle shop discussion for non-arc, which was one of the big sort of issues that we discussed in that article, uh, one of my thoughts, he said, that wasn't mentioned was that the hour supermarkets are open or longer. So it's more convenient and sensible for purchase rather than restricted bottle shop hours. Then I tried to buy some on a su- Sunday morning at Aldi and couldn't no matter what they tried at the register. Um, no, not sure if it's just a setup issue on the Aldi end or an actual restriction. Now that's really interesting. Um, maybe it's been flagged um, in their central systems. Obviously it potentially was I mean he didn't say what brand it was but I assume it was a one of the master brand type ones you know your Heineken Zero your Carlton Zero rather than a sober which is obviously separate um but yeah let us know Steve what what was it um I'm just intrigued to find I'm I'm assuming that um, but I'm as I say that's complete speculation I don't know but maybe that's uh, an inter and that is an internal thing that they do do their own home brand Aldi do have many I'd assume so um home brands that, yeah. that they have brewed for them uh like storm i think is one of the uh, one of the brands uh and they have another one that looks very much like a james bogues but it's not james bogues it's <laughs> it's like it's know. james bogues but yeah <laughs> jimmy bogues but i think that the, the issue with aldi will probably be at the back end in terms of their um uh logistics and computer system or whatever because Unlike, say, BWS, which is a which is a, a separate floor space to the the, the Woolies supermarket, in the same way that Liquorland is a separate thing. Aldi has their liquor department within the thing, but you can but you can only so you, anyone can just wander in, grab a couple of apples, grab a pack of chips, and grab a six pack. Uh, but it's not until you get to the checkout that they'll say, "Oh, I can't sell you any alcohol." Sunday, I think it's 9.30 or 10 o'clock or whatever, and any other day it's 9 o'clock, I think. So it might just be that it's because it's come through with the Heineken delivery, it's then the system has recognised it as, okay, can't, you know, uh, can't be sold before 10 o'clock or 9.30 or, or whatever it would be. I don't think it'll be because it's non-alcoholic. I think that that would just be a glitch in the system and presumably as it becomes an issue, the individual store managers will flag that with head office and say, you know, do we need to change this or because Aldi, I, th- I think too, wouldn't want to be seen, you know, to have people walking in 
and see people walking out at eight o'clock in the morning with what appears to be, you know, a slab of beer. Because to Matt's point, for all intents and purposes, yeah, it looks like beer. Exactly, exactly. It looks like it. And, and these are all like it, it's a fledgling industry as we keep coming back to. But that's one of the interesting things. It's, you know, walking out with a carton of um, Bundaberg ginger beer in, in the old stubby style bottles mm. isn't an issue. Because we've come to recognise that, do you reckon? Well, probably because, yeah, those bottles are a little bit more distinctive. But, you know, kombucha bottles are often in the dark, um, you know, tallies as well. So it's one of the, the, you know, there is a perception um, that, well, it's not beer and it's legally sold. But if, you know, if the worry is that, you know, you're walking out with a, trucking out with a Mm. slab of um, what looks like beer over your shoulder at eight o'clock in the morning. um, Well, all you can see is the Heineken or, you know, the, Mm. the branding or, you know, a beer bottle. But yeah, it's just sort of its appearances, isn't it? It's some really interesting challenges that that sophisticated adult beverage market um, has, has got to go through. But as we said a hundred times on this particular program, uh, we need to self-regulate because government's more than happy to step in if we if if, if... and carpet bomb the industry. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So let's all just uh, let's let's be sensible. Well, as we, as we find with lockdowns and things like that, there are no precision um, munitions to deal with it. It's everyone's affected yeah. um, when, when when the government steps in. Yep. From Nick Gottschalk. Nick says, so one correction for Pete, one agreement with Pete, and one question for Pete, and one statement in general. Uh, The correction, most wine is around 13% mark, not over 15%, as he said twice. Oh, I didn't clock that, Pete. Oh, I think I might have said 15%. Anyway. Just as a round up If we're going to argue over (laughs) 0.02, I think I'll cop the the slap, Nick, but yeah. Just settle down, big fella. (laughs) He says some big Shirazes can be around 14.5% uh, went from hot or sunny climates and if left on the oh, vine. Oh, well, that's, that's rounding. That's about there. Yeah, that'll do. Uh, once it hit those ranges, the alcohol kills yeast. I don't drink wine, but I just, you know. You're not. I like a bit of wine. Uh, not a winemaker, but 90% sure I'm right on this. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, and the agreement, Otter's Promise is indeed a fantastic bottle and Dan is a great bloke. Hi, Dan. Uh, on my way now to Philippa Grala for the footy tomorrow night, although I may have to go again tomorrow if the sun stays out right now. <laughs> uh, the question, going back a oh, while I hope now. It's I hope it was within your 5Ks, Nick. <laughs> although I think I think we're up to 10Ks now. Oh, well, improvement. There you go. Baby steps. Anyway, the question, uh, going back a while now, you were taking photos of your bottle or can collection with guesstimates as to how many of you had. What was the total? Um, <laughs> what was that total, Pete? All ah, right. Did you give up? Uh, I total is unde- undetermined because uh, I haven't worked out how to get all the photos off my phone to <laughs> count them up yet. So give them to one of your daughters; they'll work it out. <sighs> it keeps there's so many; it just it keeps stalling halfway through. So I'll, I, yeah, I thanks for the reminder. I will uh, <laughs> I will get onto it. And, and Nick finishes there with a statement. Oh, yes. Sorry. Yes. He finishes with a statement. Uh, Minister of Beer is a very cool title. Who who do I apply to? I assume he means. Um, yes, Minister for Beer is very much a, they called themselves that. And so I can call myself a Minister for Beer. That's a real I thing in Queensland. Apparently Queensland so. has a Minister for Beer. That's a, <laughs> that's a real thing. Uh, it is a real thing. Although actually, I don't know if it's an official um, title. We, yeah, well, we did actually contact the Queensland Minister for Beer to find out um, what the fines were for uh, for drinking in the vehicle. And um, he, he said, quote, $900 dues. 
<laughs> it's not how people in Queensland talk. Nothing. <laughs> so he's in. Uh, uh. Pete, what you no, we'll just we'll just add that map to the list of references that Claire doesn't get. <laughs> well, <laughs> that was if you universal. updated your references to post two thousand, then maybe I'd get them better. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you you need to get out more. We're the ones who've been locked down down here, but you need to get out more. <laughs> All um, right, uh, was there oh, something? Oh, you've got no, no, you've got a, a shout just out. Just a to, just to a little place. shout out. Um, so I was in contact with a chap at Bond University this week. Um, he'd sent me a press release. It wasn't something we'd necessarily cover. It was more about homebrewing. Um, but Rion Sudderby at Bond University, hello. Lovely to have you as a listener. Um, he responded saying, oh, yeah, I'm a follow- I'm not a brewer or anything, but I'm a follower of the podcast. And I was like, what? In all areas. Bruce News reaches all areas, <laughs> is all I'm saying. Um, but, yeah, hi, Rion. Lovely to be in touch. Let us know how everything's going there. He sent us an email about uh, a lecturer that won a homebrew championship. That mm-hmm. uh, it's it's one of those things we'd love to write about it, but it's mm. probably not. You know, we, we have a bit of a laser focus on the news that we we do. Um, we, we don't try and be all things to all people, so it wasn't quite a fit for us. But good, that, yeah, good that people reach out. So, um, yeah, yeah, very cool. If we do read out your comments, and if we well, it was we read out a name that that'll count. If, uh, if yeah, Rion I could, think that um, counts. Send yeah, us a, a postal address. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, 100%. And, and, we'll, and in uh, fact, um, send you out a just, just on, on, on that, anyone who on the mailbag, you know, thank you to New Zealand Ale Trail. Once we can get there, we will. Um, we, we're certainly using um, the, the web address uh, to plan our trip over there. But um, Barblades, uh, in addition to Barblades this week, uh, got a care package from our good friend John Hall in the US. Um, I I had a chat with him a couple of months ago and uh, he sent me a Defender Pilsner shirt um, and (laughs) also a Camp Rauk beer shirt um, and you've got yours on their way. But he also sent us a stack of stickers, Defend Pilsner, Camp Rauk beer and also the uh, Drink Beer, Think Beer stickers. So um, in addition to Barblades, until those stickers run out, you will be getting... Well, there's, there's encouragement to send us a comment or an email or... Um, uh, and, and also, because I bought some shirts from Beer Tees, they sent us some Beer Tees koozies, as the Americans call them, or uh, can uh, coolers. Stubby holder. Stubby holders. I drink my beer from a glass. Exactly. Um, I only need one cooler, so uh, I'll be sending those out. Um, so I in drink mine so quickly, party. Matt, that they don't get a chance to warm up, <laughs> so I don't need Responsibly, Responsibly. quickly. Um, but, uh, yeah, so... Uh, Write to us because you never know what's going to end up in addition to a uh, bar blade. There you go. And, and actually, just just throw in your shirt size as well. We've got a couple of the old. Um, given that Beer Tees is now taking care of our our printing and fulfilment on demand of our quality good beer T-shirts, I do have some. So uh, if you just include your shirt size as well, you never know what might uh, pop up. So yes, if if you hear your email um, or your letter um, mentioned. Get back to us with your postal address. Yep. And if and there's, if there's anyone else out there who's got some merch or some, you know, stuff that they want us to get out to our um, our listeners, let us know. Yeah, T-shirts, stickers, whatever. Just a, a late addition in what grinds Matt's gears this week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this just is a, what yeah, the listeners are here for, let's be honest. <laughs> I, I, I didn't notice anyone saying that in oh, the... Yeah, did, Claire, did, did Claire just get that Simpsons reference, but not my brilliant dollar do one? <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. Probably, right. yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, hey guys, it's about me. Um, <laughs> just something that came in Brewbound, uh, which is an American <laughs> trade publication very similar to Bruce News. Um, 
excellent. Um, Not quite as good, but it's got a, perhaps a little <laughs> bit more reach. But yeah, yeah. Um, could fruity alcohol pouches be the next big thing in the alcohol industry? Oh, the founders yeah. of Sun Ice believe it. Beer industry veteran Simon Thorpe oh. has emerged as part of the team behind Sun Ice, a pouch-packaged alcoholic beverage brand for a generation of legal-age consumers who mm-hmm. grew up on Capri Sun Pouches, Kool-Aid Jammers, and High C Fruit Boxes. Now, I think Australians would probably know High C Fruit Boxes, so the little Tetra Pack. Yeah, yeah poppers. Yeah. Um, but these are the squeeze ones, so it's it's um, not the actual popper Tetra Pack, but yeah. it's that, um, you know, I think yogurts come in it and that sort of thing. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, f- fruit purees and things mm. like that. Yeah. So it became plain to see that the format was what was driving interest. It wasn't necessarily the drink itself, or even <laughs> that people were in the market for a drink as much as they were in the market for a pouch. That was eye opening. Oh, um, Carter said the pouches seemed to create an emotional and nostalgic connection with Generation Z and millennial consumers. Now we'll leave the millennials <laughs> out of it because I don't think that's got anything to do with it. And they were fun. Is this just further infantilizing beer? Yes. Well, yes. Uh, mate, thank you for that because you, you, you look at that, and my first response is to vomit out my nose and you know <laughs> just go, "This is so ridiculous." But if you're going to be fair, you look at what the the beer industry is doing um, with ever fruitier um, beverages or beers designed to, you know, peanut butter and jam to, you know, um, or designed to mimic children's things, even though they're in a can that's different from a pouch. The pouch is only because we're not allowed to put it in pouches. You know, the, when, when the can looks like the pouch anyway, and it's designed to evoke those flavors. And Peter, it was something that you said a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was, uh, you know, beer is an adult's drink. It's a privilege that you earn. You know, it, it's, it's, it's a rite of passage. And, mm. you know, if businesses are making a beer that reminds people of their childhood, they're doing it wrong yeah. because it's Why? no longer, you Why know, it's, you it's, it's, it's not an alcoholic beverage anymore. counterintuitive. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, as you said, Pete, it, it's, you're infantilizing an adult product. Um, but. The flip side and the damage is that you're inviting further scrutiny and regulation. And as we say over and over and over again, government doesn't do that well. You know, yeah. um, the, 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 the government acts to save us from the worst offender, not scaled response based on your, your intention. And as we've seen this week, the Queensland government found it so easy to remove beer from takeaway sales at cafes a small percentage of beers are higher alcohol. The average ABV of beer has fallen even over my drinking career um, of uh, 30 Unlike years. wine, which is up around the 15% mark. <laughs> <laughs> Some, yeah, yeah, but, why not? And, and that's the thing. And, you know, when, when, the, when the most attention-seeking part of the market comes to be seen as that entire market, it's bad for the, for, for the industry. So, mm. yeah, I mean, look – Agree with me, don't agree with me. You know, I'm, I have the privileged position of not owning a business that sells alcohol that I'm trying to keep afloat um, and stand out in a highly crowded market. But you know something, that was also because I chose not to enter that market because I could sort of see the challenges that you face in a highly crowded market. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of the issues that businesses have to deal with. And you can either race to the bottom on price, you can race to the most childish appearing beer or when you create these products, it doesn't not have an impact on the entire industry. Um, yeah. So, you know, re- re- read this. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes and uh, see what you think. And I'd love to hear from our um, our listeners, particularly the brewers who might be looking at, you know, what other way, you know, which side of the fence are we, you know, 
are we reading this incorrectly or, you know, Can misreading you, the room? Um, I feel like Australia would have a rule about that, though, that they would say, no, you can't. Is there not a rule? But that's what I'm saying, yeah. So you couldn't do that in Australia because I, I, I'm sure that the total marketing of alcohol that ABAC governs mm-hmm. would prevent you from putting it. Remember I shared the high set, you know, something on the Facebook group a couple of weeks ago where there was a, a fruit juice popper that came up in my feed that I automatically assumed was, oh, God, somebody's put beer in a, in, in yes, a, in a Tetra yeah. Pack. Oh, but, yeah, but it yeah, wasn't. I because, but I was highlighting how similar – you know, it, it looked like beer packaging, which is a problem. You know, when beer packaging is reminiscent of children's alcohol packaging, even if it's got a little beer on, which is the get out of jail free card yeah. um, that, that ABAC allows, it is still problematic. And so it doesn't even have to, you know, when, when brewers are looking for the look of um, those Tetra packs without, you know, on a can, without putting it in the Tetra pack, how is that vastly, it, it's just the next little increment, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, down um mm-hmm. and yeah anyway but hey, look uh, ho- hopefully this invites some discussion and hopefully not everyone agrees because i would love to hear the counter arguments to that oh, and particularly from retailers from consumers and from brewers because I, I i imagine that you know look it, it, it's you know synchronicitous isn't it but i will say if you're going to tell me that government regulation on this is just limiting brewers creativity mm. Stifling innovation, Matt. No, no. So I'm sorry. Look, you're not going to get any sympathy from me on that one because it's an adult beverage. Mm -hmm. Innovate as much as you want on the flavour, but if you have to sell it by making it look like a children's drink. And put it in children's drink packaging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then go into the, you know, the the, 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 um, fruit roll-ups market Yeah, Yeah. because you're not not a brewer. Um, So anyway. Because in effect, this pouch sounds like it's a a very small... (laughs) Um, goon bag without the box around it. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it's, box the box. Um, th- this is being fully devil's advocate, practical utilitarian about it. I wonder if it's easier from a logistics point of view to pack in that many of these pouches as opposed to having like a six pack or a carton or something like that. I wonder if sort of getting those costs down really helped that. Yeah, at BrewCon it often comes up, you know, that the ideal would be a square can. Or, you know, like a, a, a straight-sided yeah. can because then you're not packing any any air. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's a stubby, you've got the the space around the the necks or, you know, the mm-hmm. tools or whatever. Um, with cans, it's, you know, the, the, the bits in between the circles. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, you, you, you're paying to, to transport a lot of fresh air. But until somebody comes up with a, a square can... Uh, that also, that. and and that, that's probably a side benefit, Claire. But it's certainly not in the marketing materials. Yeah, you know, they're not selling this on the basis of these are saving transport costs. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, they're, they're actually selling. coming out and saying, "Kids love this shit," and you know, people that grew up drinking this stuff just want to get in touch with their childhood whilst getting shit faced yeah. on something that tastes of fruit juice but is dosed with alcohol. That's it. And I don't know. I don't have personal experience, but I'm sure there are places where if you if you want to be treated like a baby and wear nappies and all. That sort of stuff. I'm sure there are, you know, look, search your internet. I'm sure something will come up to, you know, satisfy Definitely those urges. Yeah. But when we're drinking beer, can we just can we just put our big boy pants on and just maybe? Well, no, again, yes. you know, that's that's the thing. I guess that's the point that I'm making. That's that's the whole thing. You know, if we're going to be in the brewing industry, then you know, beer is always tradition. And, and you know, yes, you can innovate, you can sort of add flavors, and you can sort of do all of this stuff. Yep. All for but that. when innovation goes to a certain point. 
you know, and, and so many of the beers that we're seeing have actually bled, you know, um, the, the highly fruited sours and the very low bitterness, you know, fruit bombs have moved away from the very clear impression of what a beer is. And, you know, it, when you're making your beer taste like a pina colada, then is it still a beer or is it a new class of drink? And, you know, why do we need to make beer taste like a pina colada when a pina colada already exists? And if the pina colada or the, you know, the alcoholic dosed fruit juice becomes a target for government regulation, but you can't tell where beer finishes and the problematic beverage category begins, then beer gets caught up in that. Yeah, they're going to default to the problematic beverage, not the... Not the beer side the, of the argument. Well, they're, they're just going to see it as alcohol and they're going yeah. to regulate for the whole industry. And we saw that with the um, RTD tax, you know, when the government actually changed the definition of beer, when they brought in the RTD tax, distillers st- stopped using vodka cruises, you know, you know, vodka in their vodka cruises and started using malt-based, um, you know, 5% yeah. derived from malt that fell in with the beer definition. Um, to get around the Alcopops tax. And so the government changed the definition of beer and the whole industry gets caught out. And we're seeing that with seltzers at the moment and we're, you know, where there are actually calls to change the tax um, because some seltzers are taxed less than the ones that have got spirits in, which just creates an enormous loophole. And the government's <laughs> never going to act by going, well, we'll make all alcohol cheaper. They're going to act by making all alcohol more expensive. Um, and, you know, again, if that's the industry that brewers want to be in, that's fine. Um, as I said, I haven't invested in it. You know, I don't have a, a product to sell. But just realise that there is never, as uh, uh, Newton said, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Um, and the that's opposite it. reaction comes from a government that doesn't really care very much about your business when it comes down to it. Exactly. And, you know, the anti-alcohol lobby is always saying, the alcohol industry is evil. We market everything to children. And this is their excuse when they go to government and they are a strong lobby group with government. This is what they do all day, every day. And if they go to government and say, these alcohol companies are like advertising to minors, they want to groom children to drink alcohol. And people are doing alcohol in pouches, literally aimed at children. That is another sort of part of the arsenal of the anti-alcohol lobby to say well look here this is obviously why we're obviously right about them all along they are evil they don't care about anything but profits so you need to be harder on them and then it goes back to Matt's point about governments and heavy-handedness of government so it all is a it's a horrible cycle is all I'm saying get it right and we won't have to deal with it but if you disagree get in touch (laughs) get in touch anyway because we love reading out your letters and then talking a lot about it thanks very much to cry mob to Rowling's Over Stickers of Packaging and uh, New Zealand Outro. Got it. <laughs> thanks, Pete. Uh, that's been Radio uh, Brews News Week for this week. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. We'll see you again next week. But until then, drink fresh, drink local, look after yourselves and each other. 
and wash your damn hands. And we're out. Boom. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. Beer.